Ethos Clippers podcast coming at you on a Sunday afternoon as Los Angeles Clippers are looking like a team that is destined for either the 8th spot or the play-in tournament once again after losing yesterday in a massive game to the New Orleans Pelicans. And I'm glad that my co-host is back with me on this podcast after a bit of a break. Matt, Matt Warren is back here joining myself on the Ethos Clippers podcast. Matt, how are you, sir? Sports Ethos Clipper Nation, Brandon Marcus, how the heck are you? It's fantastic to be back. I wish it was under better circumstances because like you said, while I was gone, while I was away, I was sitting right here, but I was away. The Clippers are now, like you said, destined to maybe be six at best, but that playing tournament is nipping at us like the like the the flower from Little Shop of Horrors. Just feed me, feed me. The feed me monster of the playing is trying to eat us whole. Now, I would say that I understand that reference, but I don't. And so I'm going to go ahead that anybody who has seen that is going to go ahead and laugh and, and nod their head in agreement. And I'll just nod my head in agreement. And there's, uh, there's, there's, there's at least one um, ethos clipper listener out there singing suddenly Seymour. It's going to be in their head all day. I apologize in advance though. It is a good song. There you go. Uh, so what, here's what's happened since we last talked, the Clippers had two games against Memphis in the first game. Memphis um, sat out everyone and the Clippers won. Then Memphis played everyone in the game on Friday and the Clippers lost. And then the Clippers went and played yesterday against New Orleans and lost again. And bizarrely, in that Friday game, Kawhi Leonard only played one half because apparently that's how the Clippers wanted to manage his rest uh, before they played him in that back-to-back. So technically, he didn't even play a back-to-back. He played a half, and then he played another game after that. And so the Clippers basically conceded that Memphis game by not playing Kawhi in that second half. And then you, when you do that, you're basically putting all your eggs in one basket. And that basket was the New Orleans game. And the Clippers looked good until the fourth quarter when Brandon Ingram could not miss. And the Clippers' defense was frankly terrible. And apart from Kawhi Leonard, no one was really helping out in that fourth quarter. So it was not good. And here we are now, Matt, where as of this recording, the Clippers are the sixth seed, but they are a half a game up on New Orleans, and they are one game up on the Lakers, who they'll play next on Wednesday. And this is the one thing with the Clippers. We talked about how they don't have many games after the All-Star break. Well, this is when things get a little scary, because while the Clippers have some days off before that Lakers game, a lot of the other teams that are right behind the Clippers, will play. Because the Clippers now have from Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, until they play again on Wednesday. So three days off, which normally is a good thing. But there's going to be a lot of standings watching now, Matt. And and it's scary times because the Clippers don't have a whole lot of cushion. Curious where you're thinking right now with the Clippers headed towards that Lakers game on Wednesday and only a half a game up on New Orleans and one game up on the Lakers. Yeah, there is. Well, there was no room for error, and before the past three games started, and there were two big errors. One, starting Kawhi f- for only the first half, and apparently that was planned, but some of the other players weren't aware that that was the plan. So Let's talk about that. No, I'm glad you brought that up. Let's talk about that because um, I was really, really annoyed by that. 
Um, I want to get your take before I unload. Curious your thoughts on that because that seemed really bad in terms of how this team has been working all season. It's just a microcosm of what everything is everything's been going on. Right. It's communication malfeasance just within the organization, which seems like that's sort of been the scenario and the play all season. You know, Ty Lue says one thing, Ty Lue doesn't, you know, I don't know, I don't know what I'm doing with T Man or whatever the case may be. Kawhi has this nebulous knee injury in the beginning. Nobody really knows what's going on. Rotations are all over the place. We are getting rest. We're not getting rest. I know I'm jumping all over the place, but this team has been all over the place. I responded to our good friend Dan Bespris when he was talking about um, the Clippers not playing Kawhi in the second half. And I said something to the effect of this season, the Clippers have been like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. If the good doctor had like nine more personalities to go along with the two, if they're just impossible to decipher. And I was, and the fact that some of the players didn't even know that Kawhi was, I mean, how can you game plan? How can you prepare, you know, for, for a team like the Memphis Grizzlies, even though you just played them the night before, the whole deal is completely different. They have new players in. I'm sure they knew that their players were going to play the whole game. It, it It's mind-boggling. I, I was very frustrated and annoyed, like you said, and now I'm dying to hear your thoughts. It pisses me off, frankly. Um, I, I don't understand what this organization is doing. Um, it's been frustrating ever since Kawhi arrived. The lack of communication, the lack of clarification on what's going on. Um, there's been absolutely nothing that's been given to the media in terms of timelines for injuries. And you would think that the players involved would know what's going on and they're just doing a great job of not leaking the information. But now we're getting a clear picture that the lack of information on Kawhi Leonard is just something that's being kept very tight within a few people and it's maddening. And we have blamed Ty Lue on this podcast for numerous things this season. And you can look at all the different uh, topics that we brought up from Marcus Morris to Batum to Terrence Mann not playing to Russell Westbrook immediately being put in the starting lineup. There's a lot of things you can give Ty Lue a lack of credit for and or just go after him for rather. But this is something that I don't blame him one bit. When he showed his frustration after the press conference on Friday, I was right there with him because for the head coach to have to deal with this Kawhi Leonard nonsense this entire season from the beginning of the season when he was coming off the bench in the second quarter midway through. Like, that is not how anyone else in the NBA has ever been handled when they're coming off injury. No one else, especially star players, do not randomly come off the bench in the second quarter. And let's take a step back and say, I understand that Kawhi Leonard has been playing at an unbelievable level, and part of that may be due to the way this training staff is handling him. But that being said, that does not mean that Ty Lue can't be frustrated at it, and it can't. It does not mean that Ty Lue cannot be frustrated at the lack of information that has been given throughout this entire process, and the fact that his teammates had no idea that they were going into a game where one of their teammates was not going to be playing more than a half is frankly malpractice on the end of the Clippers. Malpractice. You cannot go into a game and not tell your team, hey, we're only playing Kawhi one half. He's going to go all in in this half. Go ahead and adjust your game a certain way, but you need to know 
that it's going to be you guys in that second half. So go all out in that first half, knowing that we're probably going to want a little bit of a lead because we're going to be without Kawhi or without PG in the second half. And instead, after that first quarter, it's like all of a sudden the Clippers found out halfway through that Kawhi wasn't going to be playing the second half because that second quarter was disastrous after a very good first quarter. And frankly, this is part of the reason why, Matt, I have been so frustrated with this team this season and has been has it sucked the joy out of this season for me there's been so many things that have frustrated me and I am so annoyed with the way this team has handled everything from the front office to trades to the lineups to the coaching decisions this has not been a fun season and I am so over it and at this point it's like you keep having this hope that they're going to go ahead and figure it out at some point and make a run in the playoffs. But at this point, it's like, end the misery. Go into the play-in tournament. Lose again like you did last year. And just end this. Because this has been the season from hell. Okay, rant over. Season from hell. And just to piggyback on real quick what you were saying about Ty, Ty Lu, I completely agree with you. In the last pod, you and Tomer alluded to that this may be Ty's last season. He might step away for a myriad reasons and... Boy, this would be one of them, wouldn't it? I, you can't blame him for just the the nonsense that he's had to put up with, especially with the Kawhi situation. And in this game, finding out you know the medical staff know he can't play, it's it's beyond frustrating, like you said. Um, but we can move forward. Uh, where the Clippers stand now, I am completely concerned. Um, I don't really want them to go into the plane and end it. I. Maybe I just like punishing myself and I want to watch more, but I do. I want to see what they can do in a seven-game playoff series. It may not be much. I mean, it's judging judging by what they're doing in these in these past couple of games, it may not be much, but it is a seven-game series. The problem here is, like you said, days off, the teams behind and around them play in the interim. And the Clippers actually, one thing is they have a very, very difficult tiebreaker scenario when it comes to the teams surrounding them uh with phoenix uh, the suns lead the series 2-1 and the clippers play them on the last day um but i imagine the suns will probably have a better division record so we probably don't have the tiebreaker there golden state clippers actually because according to cbs clippers actually lead via division ser- series win percentage in that tiebreaker which is not saying much the Wolves have clinched the tiebreaker against the Clippers. The Pelicans have clinched the tiebreaker against the Clippers. And the Clippers have clinched the tiebreaker against the Lakers. So tiebreakers, if it comes down to it, not likely to fall in the Clippers' favor. That's all to say, I don't want to see it, but I am really... There is a direct path to the play-in tournament for this team, and it, it, it concerns me. I don't know that they can beat the Lakers on Wednesday, as crazy as that would have sounded a couple months ago. And... I don't know and I don't think if if they're playing at full speed that they can beat the Suns in the last game of the season. Now, the Blazers are a different story, but knowing the Clips, they may blow that one too. So we're looking at a one and two proposition probably in, in my estimation, and that doesn't bode well for the Clippers getting into the top six seed. Now, if they get into the six, they play the Kings, and that season series against the Kings has actually been rather interesting, but we can talk about that later if you want to. Yeah, so here's the deal. The Lakers right now are one game back of the Clippers. They have the same amount of losses, and they're two wins back. So what that means is the Lakers need to win at least two to go ahead and tie the Clippers. 
That's why the game on Wednesday is massive. Because if you go ahead and hand the, uh, the Lakers a loss, it'll be very difficult for them to catch you if you get one more win. I mean, because if you get one more win, that puts you at 43 wins. And the Lakers would need to get four to tie you. And that would mean they'd have to win out apart from the game against you. And again, you would probably have the tiebreaker, I'm assuming, in that situation because the Clippers have done so well against the Lakers this season. So they would, yeah. you, you would assume that they'd have the tiebreaker there. So that's why the game on Wednesday, we've talked about must wins um, with several other games this season, Matt, but that's a must win. I mean, you absolutely need to win that game because if you go ahead and lose that game, then all of a sudden the Lakers are one win back of you. They've got Houston and they've got Utah twice. And Utah seems to have kind of let the foot off the gas a little bit here. Because if you look at the standings right now in the Western Conference, Utah is currently sending a game and a half back of OKC for the play-in tournament. So Utah's kind of throwing in the towel after what looked like a very good start for them. They're starting to sit a Linux. They're starting to sit marking in a little bit more. You're just not seeing those guys on the floor that were contributing to that early success. So those could be two wins. And then they have a Phoenix game late in the season as well. And it's already late in the season, obviously, but it's the second to last game that they have to play. And who knows how much that game will mean. I'm assuming that they'll play. I'm assuming the Lakers would lose to that Phoenix team with Kevin Durant and Booker and Paul. But again, who knows? Because it's at home. But three games in a row on the road for the Lakers coming up at Houston, at Utah, and at the Clippers. So they've got two games before they even play the Clippers. We'll have a better idea of how important that game is. But it's going to be a must win for the Clippers because you need to win that game because we talked about the Lakers, but how about the Pelicans? The Pelicans, they've got Sacramento on Tuesday, Memphis on Wednesday. It's a back-to-back homestand. So two tough games. Now, if the Pelicans lose both those games, all of a sudden things are a little bit easier for you before the Pelicans have to face New York and then at Minnesota. So a couple of big games are going to be played before the Clippers even take the floor. And so they're going to be scoreboard watching, no doubt about that. But the Clippers haven't helped themselves now. And now they got to win. They got to win out. They got to beat the Lakers. They got to go ahead and beat Portland, which should be a very easy win on Saturday the 8th. And then they're heading to Phoenix. And that game could either be very important for Phoenix or not important at all. And Phoenix very well could rest all of their guys in that game. And if that's the case, then the Clippers have a very easy path in their final two games. But the Laker game is important. They win the Laker game. And then they win their final two should be fine in that sixth spot. Now, do they have a chance at the five spot? I don't know because you look at Golden State, they're at Denver. If Denver decides to actually play their guys, that should be a loss because Golden State sucks on the road at home to OKC should be tough, but they should win that game. Then at Sacramento should be tough. And then at Portland's an easy win. So Golden State has two easy wins. You would think puts them at 43 games. Five seed is probably unlikely the way this is going I have optimism the Clippers finish sixth, but if you lose that game on Wednesday, you're going to be in the play-in tournament. Uh, I'm pretty convinced that that that's going to be the case. That sure the other teams have some difficult games, but I think Matt that if you lose Wednesday, you're probably looking at the play-in tournament, which is what we have said the Clippers could not be in this entire season. So we'll see. And just leave it to the Clips to have the biggest game of the season come against the Lakers. Of course. It's, yeah, it's going to be massive. And I want to keep a side eye looking at the T-Wolves too because you mentioned them, but they're, they're scheduled to end. And like I said, they own the tiebreaker against the Clips. They're scheduled to end the season as Portland, Brooklyn, San Antonio, and then finishing against New Orleans. Mm-hmm. So it's not a murderer's row. Um, and they're hot right now. So Minnesota could make a little noise too. It's just something to keep an eye on. 
Yeah, um, you, but they're still two wins back. Um, so if you say had if you say they beat Portland and then they beat San Antonio, then sure, Brooklyn and New Orleans. But again, that's why the Laker game's so big because if you lose that exactly. game, then all of a sudden, sure, it brings these other teams into the picture. But if you win that game, then it makes it even harder for other teams to catch you because that's really what you need to look at now. If you're a fan, just go look at the wins. And right now, the Clippers have one more win than New Orleans and two more wins than the Lakers in Minnesota. And so as long as you get a couple of wins, let's say you get two wins, that puts you at 43. That makes it a lot more difficult for teams like the Lakers in Minnesota to catch you. So we'll see how they close out. We'll see if they decide to actually show some urgency. Um, But again, we're talking about a team that's without Paul George. I mean, and, and right now, Eric Gordon's hurt too. So this team can't stay healthy. We've talked about it all year, that health is clearly the path to success for this team. And again, we're dealing with injuries, and it just adds to the frustration with this season. We'll see what what happens in the final couple games. You would hope that the rest here for the Clippers would mean that they're going all in for this Laker game and know that the importance of it. But at the same time, the Lakers are healthy. Anthony Davis, LeBron, those two guys, while the Clippers only have Kawhi, I don't know. I mean, the Clippers have had success against the Lakers, but when LeBron is in beast mode and desperation mode, he's very tough to beat. And plus, the Lakers are playing pretty good defense, actually great defense, um, since they since after the trade deadline, and they can throw guys like Vanderbilt at Kawhi. Um, you know, I don't even think AD really needs to pick him up, or LeBron needs to pick up Kawhi very much. Vanderbilt can pretty much handle that assignment, and then... They'll throw doubles at him like every single team is doing at Kawhi these days smartly because he's pretty much the entire offense. I, I just wonder where the offense is going to come Wednesday. It The game concerns me in a big, bad way because I think the defense of the Lakers is not being underrated, but it cannot be overlooked by the Clippers because the offense for the Clips, aside from Kawhi, you know, Bob Covington popped off one game and then did almost nothing for two games. Nick Batum has been pretty much absent since he hit eight threes from an offensive standpoint. Russ is doing his thing, but you look at the game against the Pels, he was 24-9. and He still can't hit his free throws. He was still a minus 7 on the floor. He was 9 of 18, so efficient from the field. But, you know, Norm Powell has been maybe shaking off the rust or whatever the case may be. But, like you said, EG now hurt. Where is the offense going to come from if if it can't just be Kawhi? So I'm I'm pretty concerned about Wednesday's game, quite honestly. Yeah, I'm worried too, man. Um it's it's weird because you look at yesterday's game, and um, I think we can talk a little bit about that. The Clippers looked good early, man. Like, they looked really good. And I was texting with a friend of mine, and he's like, I don't trust it. And that's the point that we've gotten to with this team, where any big lead, you know that they're going to give it up. It just means that this defense has just been so bad. And how often have we talked about the bench and how important the bench is? And I talk about plus minus with the bench. Yesterday, Terrence Mann, Mason Plumley, Robert Covington, all a minus 13. Bones Highland was a minus 10. The bench just didn't get it done. And you're going to have minutes in the playoffs where you're going to need to have those eight minutes or so where Kawhi is off the floor. And in those eight minutes, the Clippers got outscored by 11 because Kawhi was a plus three and they lost by eight. I mean, eight minutes, Matt. In eight minutes, the Clippers got outscored by 11. Like... It's so frustrating. This team's supposed to be so balanced and be able to take care of things. But then you go and you just blow it in the second and you blow it to start the fourth. And there's only so much this guy can do. 
And sure, Westbrook had another decent line, 24 points, 9 assists. Like, give him credit. But it's just not enough from everybody. Batum didn't have a good game. And you look at the three-point shooting, and that's been the key to success for the Clippers. When the Clippers were humming, they were hitting their threes. I think it was Noah Eagle I was listening to on the pregame show. And he said, you look back a couple years ago, the Clippers had one of the best three-point percentages in the NBA. And I think he said at that point, the Clippers were top five going into the last couple of games. And then they go yesterday, and they were just 11 of 29. Like, that's not good enough. In today's NBA, it's not good enough. And to only have two of your starters hit a three, it's just not great. And I'm, I'm concerned with where this team is right now. I think yesterday was a very bad sign for how this defense has performed all season and how not any not everybody's stepping up when Kawhi and PG are either having bad games or they're on the off the floor. It's just so much inconsistency that we continue to see, and it's frustrating, Matt. The threes is a great point because that used to be what the Clips hung their hat on, historic three-point percentage. That's that's going to win you, you. You can build any kind of lead you want against the Clips. We'll get back, or we're just, we're just going to bury you with threes, threes from the outset. Like the game um, against the against the Grizzlies that the Clippers won last Wednesday, it took Russ going five of five from downtown and Covington seven of seven. Now that's not going to happen all too often. The rest the rest of the team one of five for Batum, two of five for Gordon, one of three for Man. I mean, I can go I can go down the list. Norm was two of six, uh, Bones was four of six, so that's good. But th- those three pointers, it doesn't seem like we can hang our hat on that anymore. And if that's not the offensive identity, then then what is it? Is it? Right. It's is it just just Kawhi? We hope that he can piggyback, put the team on his back through an entire playoff series, and then maybe Paul George comes back healthy. Like there is so much more to be concerned about than there is to be optimistic about going into the end of the season. And maybe that's the story of the whole season. Not looking back on it, there is so much more to be worried about when we thought there was so much more to be optimistic about. So that three point percentage um, little factoid there is. Is spot on because that is that is no longer something or at least it seems that the Clippers can hang their hat on and something we can look forward to 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 ride through rough patches you look at the game on Friday against the Grizzlies the Clippers were 11 of 35 31 percent I mean again not good enough like it's just not good enough and again only two starters had a three in that game Kawhi was 2 of 4, Gordon was 2 of 5, Westbrook and Batum were 0 for 6 combined. I mean, it's just not good enough. This team lives and dies by the three ball because you have Westbrook who is able to spray it out to these guys and get them good looks. And you have Gordon, you have Powell, you have Kawhi, you've got Batum, you've got Morris when he's there, you've got Bones Highland, you have Covington, you have Mann, you have so many guys that can dial it up long distance. If you're not hitting the three, this team's screwed. And if they're shooting under 40%, I mean, you look at that game like you mentioned on Wednesday, how often are you really going to get a performance like that? I mean, how often are you going to get a performance where Robert Covington's 7 of 7 from 3, where Westbrook is 5 of 5 from 3? And guess what? They still only won by 9. You take away three of those threes, three of them, 12 of 12. You make it so that those two guys shoot 75% from 3 instead of 100% from 3, and it's a tie game. Like, that's how small the margin of error is for this team now is that if they're not playing well, they're not shooting the ball well, they're screwed. And it just gives me a lot of pessimism for what we have going forward. I want to root for this team. I want them to do well, but I I just don't think they can. I just don't think there's enough there, Matt. 
it's it's hard it's it's tough to see there being enough there i mean you know with the paul george injury you and i said it's not one person that needs to step up it's everybody and so far you know aside from a few flashes you know like you said you got to give all credit to russ he's been playing his heart out he played amazing in the game versus memphis uh the first half of the back-to-back set and so did covington they both flashed there but Really, like, Nico had his one eight of eight game, but then where has he been? Eric Gordon's been, you know, as the kids would say, mid. Uh, and everybody, you know, Bones has been playing uh, a level above, but that's not, you can't count on that. That's not going to be consistent, especially in the playoffs. Uh, but to get through this run, it just seems like the team as a whole hasn't stepped up in the way we had hoped to support one Kawhi Leonard, who, yes, has been playing amazing. When he's out there, it's it's hard it's hard to it's hard to to see the team having much success. Like you said, you know, I was in preparation for today. I was looking forward to a uh, to a possible Kings match, a three six Kings matchup, if that's where they land. But maybe I'm getting ahead of myself because who knows if they'll even make it to the six? They they could so easily fall into the into the playing tournament and. Like you've said a few times so far today, that game against the Lakers is paramount. Against the Kings, I do as a I do actually think that's one of the best matchups that the Clippers can get as far as who's in the Western Conference. I think it's far better than the Suns. So I guess we can kind of hope for a three-six and see if Kawhi can carry us against the Kings because the matchups for the most part this season, while we've lost three or four, they have been extremely close, save one loss uh, back in December. I agree with you. Uh, I do agree with you because the Kings just don't play defense. And that is something that has shown time and time again in the playoffs. If you can't play defense, it's very unlikely that you can win. And um, I think that gives the Clippers the best chance. I mean, granted, the Clippers have done well against Memphis in the past um, at times. And there are people on Twitter on Wednesday like, can we face Memphis in the 2-7 matchup? It's like, dude, they don't have John Morant. I mean, or they don't have uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., I don't think. So they don't they have JJJ on two, on Wednesday, right? Um, no uh, they didn't have him on Wednesday, no. Yeah, and no Tyus Jones. And I don't think – No ba- Desmond Bain. I was going to say no Bain in that game either. Like, And then Friday, the Clippers again got off to a good start. And they're like, oh, can we play Memphis? It's like, okay, and you lost. Like, here's the thing, and I've talked about this in this podcast before, and you've heard this. The amount of overreaction that continues to happen – I mean, Bones Highland has a couple good games. Everyone's like, I don't know how you're going to fit take Bones Highland out of the rotation. It's like, guys, there's a reason why Denver got rid of him. Like, sure, he's had a couple good games. He provides some energy. Like, that is certainly something I talked with Tomer that you're going to want in a playoff series. Like, he's going to play a couple of times when the Clippers need that energy. But when everybody's healthy, and granted, that's a big if, then he's not going to play. Like, I brought this up so many times already, but I'm, I'm sure there are people that don't listen every single podcast. Like, again, Musa Diabate had a couple of good games initially. Everyone's like, all right, he's going to be the backup center. He's the answer. Okay, where's he now? Like, it, there's just so much overreaction time and time again when a guy does well. And I mentioned it before, Amir Coffey last year. People thought he was better than Terrence Mann. Like, there's a reason why these guys have a resume. There's a reason why some of these guys play the amount that they do. Like, let's chill. Your best eight-man rotation does not include Bones Highland. Will he be a nice change of pace at times? Sure. 
Was Rajon Rondo a decent change of pace at times and d- did some different stuff? Sure. Like, we'll see what happens in the playoffs. But everyone's got to realize that the Clippers are an inconsistent team. And that's the only reason why you're seeing some of these guys. That's the only reason why you're seeing guys like Bones Highland. Because the Clippers do so many poor things that he does bring some energy at times. But when you have your best eight-man rotation, he's just not a part of it. Yeah, like, there could be the Bones Highland game. But that's game singular if you're counting on bones being an integral part of the integral part of the rotation during the playoffs when it really matters then you're not going to go that far because that's just not who he is especially at this point in his career like you said denver ditched him for a reason i don't think that playing memphis in the first round is anything that that the clippers should aspire to or clippers fans should hope for and you know god forbid we have to play denver then we might as well just pack it in right then and there because Denver has the Clippers numbers like nobody's business, especially without Paul George in a round one matchup with Musa, with Moses Brown. I mean, just pretty much anybody and I'm guilty of it. Sometimes anybody that straps on a Clippers Jersey, you know, they're, they're the next guy They're mm-hmm. like, how, how did he slip through the cracks and land up on the Clippers? Clippers got so lucky to, to grab this guy at the scrap people. Sometimes people aren't a scrap heap for a reason, not to say that they're bad because every NBA every NBA player is amazing. But they're not going to go into a, a rotation of a team that has championship aspirations. That's just not what happens 99 out of 100 times. It's just not going to be the case. It's it's hard to grasp that, you know, when you're in the moment and a player is playing well. But looking down the line, yeah, we've said it all season. It's going to be the core guys. Um, and you add to that now Eric Gordon especially and Plumley, who has been a bit lackluster as of, as of late himself, I believe. Uh, I don't really see much much defensive. Pr- I mean, every time I watch Plumlee, and maybe, maybe I'm just not a big Plumlee fan. I never really have been, but I feel like he gets cooked over and over and over again. And you're always calling for Zoo to come back in, especially when Clippers give up leads or they fall behind big. It's because a lot of it is, you know, Zoo is not in the middle and people are getting whatever they want at the rim or drawing fouls. Or, you know, rotations are screwed up. So it's not all on Plumlee, but to me, he's been getting cooked and lackluster. So the Clippers have a lot of work to do. And I guess going into the sixth seed is probably best case scenario. Because I don't know about you. I, I think they could give the Suns maybe a little bit of a run for their money, but it would be a much tougher task. And this is not taking anything away from the Kings, you know, but... I think just be an easier matchup, especially like you said, the defense leaves something to be desired. So the Clippers could take advantage of that. I'm glad you brought up Plumley because I think another thing that we've learned from these last couple of games, and listen, Mason was solid at first. I mean, it was crazy how he was doing great at the free throw line and he was bringing the ball up and he was contributing um, on the offensive and defensive end. But I think one thing we've learned in the last couple of games is that Zoo's going to have to play heavy minutes in the playoffs. And there's two things to that. Number one is that I don't know that Ty Lu would actually do it. Um, I don't know that he would actually play him more and um, limit the Plumlee minutes. And to go with that, number two is that I don't think that Ty Lu would do it as much as he needs to because he'll just fall in love with small ball. And that could end up being the the thing that kills the Clippers this season. And it's killed the Clippers several times this year where they've gone to small ball and haven't need to go to small ball and they haven't trusted Zoo enough. And the amount that Zoo does in the defensive end 
and what he's able to do with offensive rebounds where nobody else in your team can contribute that except for Westbrook is is something that does, goes unnoticed at times. And I think, like you said, Plumlee has not been good recently. And just like Bones Highland has not been good recently. And so we're learning that these guys, sure, they had certain moments with this Clippers team. And we're going to see come playoff time. If they're doing well, then they can play. But the leash is going to be short. And if Plumlee has a bad stretch, a couple of minutes, he's got to come out. And you've got to ride Zoo. You have to trust that Zoo is going to be that guy. And I don't know if Tyloo will do that. Um, but I'm glad you brought that up because that's something else I think we've learned over these last couple of games. And I don't know, man, it, it, this podcast, and I hate it. I hate that we keep doing this, that even when the Clippers win, there's always a, but this is happening. And, and we've been, we've had concern this entire year, Matt. I mean, how many times have we come on this podcast after wins and be like, well, but this didn't happen. And there's been such a negative tone at times. And I apologize to people that are listening, but for a guy that has grown up and it's two guys that have grown up on the Clippers that had Quentin Richardson and Darius Miles and Ellen Brand and Eric Piatkowski, and they saw some fun teams, and then they saw some god-awful teams um, that have come through the pipeline to then get Lob City and the championship aspirations that never came through and didn't even reach the Western Conference Finals to this team where you sell our best young player that I don't think We've seen in our lifetime a better young player that's been drafted apart from Blake Griffin in Shea Gildress-Alexander. And to see him thriving while this team, again, cannot get Kawhi and PG on the floor together is frustrating. And that's why the tone is coming across the way it is in this podcast, because you saw the Western Conference Finals appearance a couple of years ago, and you saw Kawhi then sit out last year, and you said, all right, this is the year. But again, something else has gone wrong, and it's very frustrating as a fan, and I'm sure you're frustrated too. I'm I'm incredibly frustrated, and yeah, if it comes off like like we're cynical or we're bitter or we're angry, it's probably because we are, mm-hmm. because we have watched these fun teams, uh, like you said, with D. Miles and with Quinton and, and Elton Brand and Kamen and the, the whole crew, Sam Cassell coming in. I mean, we've had some teams... That we we loved everything that you were doing on and off the court for the most part. I mean, as far as like managerial and coaching and all that kind of stuff, we loved. But you cut to this team, and while while we'll always love the Clippers, that's that's ingrained in our DNA. Both Brandon, myself, and I would imagine everybody listening to the show, we love the Clippers. This iteration, we don't necessarily like mm-hmm. because it's just so frustrating. There's no communication with. When with the team, let with the team, let alone the fans, us themselves, or the media, or just something, something is completely askew, and it it has been since the very beginning of the season, you know. And and an optimism is one thing, and I try to have as much as I can. But there's when you watch the game, your eyes, your eyes will lie to you every now and then, but they can't lie to you all the time. And when you watch enough Clippers basketball, especially this season, you're going to see a trend, and you're going to see what's happening, and. And the reason, at least for myself, that I am a little more not downtrodden is not the right word, but I'm I'm adamant. I'm 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 frustrated. Like I said, cynical. I'm a little bit bitter, is because we expect so much of of the players and what the team has done in order to acquire them, right or wrong. And and they they just don't seem to be treating it with the care, um, with with the 
just what we would hope that they would that they would the love that they would treat the team as we love the team so that we can reach our ultimate goal which would be a championship and it doesn't seem like there's any any chance of that this season so yeah uh, all that to say and it was a long rant and I'm I'm sorry but I feel very passionately about it I'm very frustrated and if it comes out I apologize to yes all the listeners to Brandon you as well but boy it's hard sometimes not to uh, to let it let it explode. That's why we're here, man. I mean, I had my rant earlier. You're allowed a rant as well. It's 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 frustrating because the Clippers have lost two in a row. So we should be frustrated. There should be rants. There should be two guys that are upset at what they're seeing and two big wins. And once again, it's another good team the Clippers cannot beat. And they beat the Warriors in that game that you predicted they would win. But there's been very few of those games this season where the Clippers have played a good team that has been healthy and actually beaten them. I mean, it just has not happened often this season. And because of that, I don't think this team can go very far this year. They have not shown it yet. And so is it possible that all of a sudden they start showing it in the postseason? Sure. But does that happen often? No, it doesn't. And uh, I'm and, pessimistic about what the, what the future holds. And I think one thing we, we, we should be careful of doing, should, should the season fall apart um, in the near future, be it in the play-in, be it in the first round of the playoffs, Whatever the case may be, we have to, moving forward, like you said, it's going to be hard to move forward, but looking backwards, I don't think, and it may happen, you know, I don't think we should use Paul George's late season injury as sort of an excuse. Well, Paul George got hurt. Otherwise, mm-hmm. who knows what would have happened with this team? We have to remember the season in, in totality because throughout the season, even when Paul and Kawhi were healthy, and it has looked great at times, like that game against the Warriors, Still something something was off, and there's going to be a lot to address in the offseason. Um, Paul George's knee injury is a huge, a huge issue, of course, but it's not going to in the pie chart of what went wrong, it's it it's not going to be the majority, that's for sure. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, I think that sums it up. I think that uh we got everything off our chest and now we wait and see. We we wait to see what happens on Wednesday and we'll react after that because we will have another podcast. Um, before that back-to-back to close things out. And again, oh, yeah. it's a back-to-back where you would assume Kawhi Leonard's going to play both. But if that's the case, does he only play one half again? Will his teammates know that he's only playing one half? I mean, it's it's a drama. And it's, it's a TV show at this moment. And it's frustrating. And so we'll see what happens. We'll see how it unfolds. But... Matt, it's been great having you back at Matt Matt at Matt Matta Warren on Twitter. I'm at B D Marcus, of course, at Ethos Clippers for the podcast on Twitter. If you can rate and review the podcast, it certainly does help. I mentioned it a couple of episodes ago, but I've seen those reviews that have been written. I've read every single one of them, and I appreciate them. They have been very kind, um, and we, we're doing great. This podcast continues to grow, and it is one of the biggest podcasts on the ethos podcast network and it's because of you the listeners so a big thank you to everybody that continues to listen to everybody that continues to subscribe it's it's massively appreciated and it does not go unnoticed so thank you very much to you the listeners as we continue to grow this podcast and we'll see what happens um, in these final three games but we'll be back to chat about the laker game Um, that podcast will either be on thursday or friday but until then matt any final words I just want to echo your thoughts and thank you, Brandon. Thanks, Sports Ethos, and especially thank everybody listening for not only 
rating and reviewing the pod and interacting with us on Twitter, but just being so kind to me and welcoming me, welcoming me in in my first year doing this with Brandon on Sports Ethos. It's been a blast. No matter how frustrating the season has been, I look forward to these moments and recording these podcasts, these conversations, and the interactions with everybody listening. Uh, it, it, it brightens my day, my week, my year. I love it. And we will see what lies ahead. So for Matt, I am Brandon, and go Clips. Go Clips. <laughs>